Waterfall Security Solutions, the market leader in unidirectional gateway technology. Their industrial cybersecurity technology protects critical infrastructure and control systems from remote online cyber attacks. It's installed around the world, including nuclear plants in the U.S. and electric grids. Their unidirectional security gateway creates an impassable physical barrier preventing communications from flowing into industrial control networks, enabling safe and secure IT and OT integration, remote monitoring, and cloud services. Visit securityweekly.com forward slash SCADA. The first 100 listeners who register will receive a free copy of SCADA Security, What's Broken and How to Fix It, written by Waterfall's VP of Industrial Security, Andrew Ginter. Algorithms Netmon Freemium delivers real-time network visibility to quickly identify emerging threats in your IT environment. Netmon Freemium is a free commercial-grade network forensics and traffic analytics solution. You can use Netmon Freemium's powerful capabilities to search against all observed network traffic, identify abnormal traffic patterns in application usage, and quickly analyze full packet captures. Take the first step towards real-time network visibility. Visit logarithm.com forward slash freemium to learn more and download it today. Pony Express, check out their line of penetration testing devices, including the Pwn Pad, Pwn Phone, and Pwn Pro. For enterprises, there's Pwn Pulse, providing continuous visibility into wired, Wi-Fi, and Bluetooth spectrums across all physical locations, including remote sites and branch offices. For all those hard-to-reach places, there's Pony Express. Visit them on the web at PonyExpress.com. Signal Sciences is the industry's first web protection platform that works in any cloud, any container, any platform as a service, and any modern application architecture. The Signal Sciences web protection platform can be deployed in next-generation WAF, RASP, or reverse proxy modes, giving customers ultimate flexibility and coverage. Protect your web applications with Signal Sciences web protection platform. Signal Sciences, securing code and connecting teams. For more information, check them out at signalsciences.com forward slash ESW. Couple of quick announcements before we get started. ITPro.tv's courses now include Exchange 2016, Wireshark, ECIH, and ECES. ITPro TV recently introduced new membership levels. The new standard membership is $57 a month or $570 a year and includes access to on-demand course library, live chat, and the Q&A forum. The new premium membership is $85.70 per month or $857 per year and includes access to all standard membership features, including unlimited transcender practice exams, virtual labs, and access to the enterprise portal. Download courses with annual, standard, or premium memberships. We're also excited to be attending the 13th Annual Secure World Boston Conference March 22nd and 23rd at the Heinz Convention Center in the Back Bay. Secure World brings together New England cybersecurity community of high-quality training, collaboration, and networking. This year's theme, Surviving the Siege, Medieval Lessons in Modern Security. Don't miss presentations from Larry Wilson, Esmond Kane, Sandy Backick, and many more. Earn 12 to 16 CPE credits. Security Weekly listeners save $100 off their registration or full conference pass by going to secureworldexpo.com and using the discount code SECURITYWEEKLY. So we'll be there. That's next week. We'll be there next week. That'll be fun. I'm not presenting there. We're just hanging out, having fun. So if you're going to Secure World, come by and see us. We'll have a camera. We can like record stuff. It'll be fun. That'll be fun. It'll be fun. Cameras are, cameras are neat. Cameras are neat. Uh, what else is neat? Sky High Network. Sky High. Is yeah. the CASB. 
going to lock the cast. All right. I, can I just jump right into this one? Just jump just right go. into it. All jump. right. So they're jump. talking about two patents they have. And usually companies get patents because it makes their portfolio a lot more attractive to potential buyers, especially the amount of money that a buyer is willing to pay. Because you're look, it's like you're buying a company for their sense of exclusivity, which is really, really cool. The first patent reads like crap. I have no idea what it actually means. It's It looks like total It covers, garbage. and I quote, the ability for companies to automate risk evaluation, threat monitoring, and policy enforcement across thousands of cloud services. So it's a magical unicorn. It's a magical <laughs> unicorn. It's a, it's, a, it's a box, and in this box is a unicorn, and the, the unicorn farts rainbows. It, pooped, it poops Skittles. Your, yes, it poops Skittles. And it's nice. It's just it's just a single pane of unicorn glass. Um, so that one reads like crap. The second one actually is very interesting. Um, the yes, second one kind of ties into another one of our uh, stories that we have or news articles that we have a little bit later where we're starting to see more vendors that are trying to put analysis on data that is actually stored in the cloud insofar as like um, – Behavioral analytics. Where's your data? Who's accessing the data? Who has rights to access that data? How many data entity points or documents is an individual user ID uh, accessing? So that one is actually pretty interesting to me. I think that that's pretty cool. You know what? I don't know if it's something that's going to hold, though. You know what I find interesting? It says that it tokenizes sensitive customer data. Right. And the whole thing, and we we actually have a a new sponsor that will be coming on uh, in just a little bit, not on this show, but in subsequent shows that I'm excited about. Because I'm always like, well, how do you know what data sensitive and how sensitive is it? And people are like, oh, I don't know. That like over there looks important, and that's kind of important over there. And Jimmy, you know, he clicks stuff over there, and yeah, that's really important data. But how do you know where it is, what it is, and how it's classified? So there's actually a vendor coming on to help us uh, sort some of that stuff out, which I was excited about. John and I obviously evaluate a lot of different vendors, so if we're excited, uh, you should be too. And I think that's one thing that I see not many people doing very well, but obviously it's the fundamental for your security program. We talked about incident response. Like, How do you know what you should respond to in what manner if you don't know what sensitive means to you yeah, in your data? And, 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 and I think that after the... Um like the threat intelligence feed storm has passed. I think that this is going to be the next one. Um, you know, when we're talking about behavioral analytics and logging in the cloud, because mm-hmm. right now logging in the cloud is an absolute complete unmitigated train wreck. Um, as far as like finding out where your data is, we ran into what we thought was an incident at BHIS and just trying to figure out who had access to which files and when they accessed them was kind of a nightmare. And that's not something that's exclusive to just, you know, mm-hmm. Google documents or anything like that. It's actually a much larger issue that's kind of systematic across the entire industry as a whole. So that's why I think that second patent is actually less crappy than the first patent. Yes, Speaking of crappy. Oh, no. Are we on story number two now? We're on looking glass. I'll let you read this one. Well, so while the quote is kind of, yeah, you're going to make fun of the quote. However, I think it's interesting. So Looking Glass is basically saying that they have a security platform and they want other people to sell it and they're making it very easy for other people to sell it. And I I think you're going to see this a lot. It's certainly a a strategy for a company and how like all in and there in the channel is, you know, in my previous roles at Tenable and such, I learned about you know, this type of selling, uh, specifically John and I have talked about it for our own startup. How do you enable other people to do it? Looking glass is a threat intelligence. According to them is the next frontier for security minded partners who have historically sold cybersecurity solutions that protect data center and infrastructure. 
uh, they've created our, their intuitive, flexible, and accessible portal to help partners complete daily tasks and expedite marketing sales and technical efforts. Look, they're, they're all in, in the channel. They want to make it easy for people to resell their services. I think as we address the mid-market, I think as we look at all the new security vendors that are trying to sell their stuff, this is a strategy. Now, it depends on where your company is in terms of how you buy this stuff. Maybe you do buy it through a partner, and that helps you, especially if you're a mid-market organization. You don't have the staff to deal with tons and tons of different vendors. You're probably going to go to some type of channel partner that's going to hook you up with a bunch of technologies. Hopefully, they all fit together and work. Yep. In larger enterprises, there are larger teams that make sure everything fits together and work and typically deal with the vendors uh, directly. Now, that's a large generalization. I know you may fall outside of the scope of that, but in general, I, that's how I see the market. Thought it was interesting that they actually issued a press release for Looking Glass to be able to do this. So, John. Yeah, and I, I, I think it's interesting because one of two things is happening here. Either threat intelligence is becoming so integral into the way that we look at computer security that it's basically integrating with a number of different partners, partner portals, and reseller, and integrating with additional vendors. And almost every single show, we have a vendor that says that they're integrating with another product. Their threat yep. intelligence feed is in integrating with another product. It's either that. Or it's also that threat intelligence vendors are also realizing that they better find a way to integrate to the rest of the enterprise or they're going to go out of business very, very quickly. Um, and I personally think it's number two, because if we look at some vendors, once again, Threat Connect, who surprised us when I'm like, I hate threat intelligence feeds. And they're like, yeah, we do too. Mm-hmm. And they talked about how they integrate and they try to basically make that threat intelligence data useful to the rest of the organization and correlate it with what you're seeing in the organization. That is was something that is it probably still is very much cutting edge in that particular field, whereas you're seeing a lot of the other threat intelligence vendors that are scrambling to try to integrate with everybody and trying to make that known. So like I said, either A, you're seeing threat intelligence is becoming integral to absolutely everything, or B, you're starting to see it try to find a way to make itself relevant in the rest of a security architecture. So we'll have to see how that plays out over the next, I'd say, 18 to 24 months. Uh, Acunetics has integrated with the Jenkins plugin, uh, which I believe is an open source plugin. Is that? Is yeah. That? Yeah. It's an yep. open source uh, plugin. Yes. Um, which, you know, I think is interesting. I think it's a, a much more pointed product. I think there are larger enterprise products, specifically from HP, that a lot of enterprises are using very successfully. But this is an yep. interesting integration. I think Acunetics is much lower on the price scale. They've got some other uh, offerings in vulnerability management that I think smaller organizations can take advantage of. Um, Mm -hmm. Generally, I think they've made a good product and done a good job, and now they're integrating into the DevOps cycle so that as you're developing code, it can be vulnerability scanned. I think this is the type of automation that we're going to see in the market and continue to see. I think this is a good thing, John. I don't know. And we said the word open source, so it's got to be good, right? Yeah, it's got to be good. I think this is great. Um, And the reason why I think this is great is if you're in the vulnerability management space for web application vulnerabilities, um, how do you compete with something like Burp Suite Pro? Yeah. Uh, how do you compete with something like Zed Attack Proxy? If you're just talking about something that scans and looks for vulnerabilities and that's the end of the day, there's a bunch of tools out there that are very inexpensive or free that do a fantastic job of that. However, if you look at how this like leverages into, like you said, continuous integration, software development lifecycle, well, that's a sellable point, right? It's not just a point-in-time security assessment tool. It's something that can be integrated in all parts of the development and the DevOps process. That's, that's cool. And you're seeing that. I think we have a 
another story later, correct me if I'm wrong, Paul, that we have another vendor that is doing integration between vulnerability management and actually making live uh, update changes to web application firewalls. So you're starting Mm -hmm. to see these vendors that are really going to start differentiating why you should pay $20,000 for a product for having, you know, doing security, uh, security scanning for a web application. Why should you spend that money whenever there's lots of products that do that particular thing much cheaper? And I think that this type of integration is really providing that value that actually justifies writing a check for that amount. Absolutely. Um, so I didn't know this. Uh, Google came out with this new feature, John, and I don't know if you've seen it yet. I haven't read too much about it, but it's called Team Drive. And yep. it allows you to share documents with each other. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Doesn't Google Drive already do that, right? Like I can create folders and files and I can share them. Apparently what the, the Google's biggest... Yeah, what Google's done is as you John and I both use Google Drive, right? When you create a document, it's by default shared with just you and no one else. So you have to go in and like individually add people. Oh, I want Bobby to see it. I want Larry to see it. I want whoever to see it. And then you get this like mixed mashing of like, well, who has access to what now? Um, so they've created Team Drive, which essentially allows you, I think it's just the ability to really define groups. They call them teams. You define groups, and then by default, everyone in that group, when you create a document there, already has access to it, which can be a security, potential security nightmare if you're not educating your team about who can see what. However, it's a usability feature from Google. Uh, CloudLock is now supporting that feature to help you manage the authentication, as I talked about some of the pitfalls of, do I really want Bobby to see all the documents that are in this bucket? Um, so that was the announcement from, uh, Cis- is CloudLock owned by Cisco now? Is that what I'm- It reading? is, okay. it is, it is. And this also goes back to what we just talked about a few minutes ago in the fact that we can now have better visibility into what's happening in our Google documents. And that is one of the big things that CloudLock has that we've actually been looking at very closely mm-hmm. is we would like to have better logging, better alerting, better management, maybe even reports as far as what documents are being used, who's accessing which documents. And uh, like I said, I think that this is really going to be one of the next big things in security. Everything's been thrown up into the cloud, but there's been very, very little in the way of actually doing kind of that account auditing of who's accessing what in the cloud. And this is one of those vendors that does that. So it's a very cool step in the right direction. And it's funny because it's completely based on the fact that Google has not baked that into their offering from the start. I mean, if you look at Google Teams, that's something they should have had from the beginning, right? Or even what if Google buys CloudLock instead of Cisco? They probably dropped the ball on that one. It probably did. Um, But honestly, I could see Google being completely oblivious uh, to these particular problems. I mean, they don't don't really get plugged in. I, I think to uh, a lot of the complaints some of their users may have no, because they're it's very Google, true. right? Yeah, it's yeah. very true. Um, so when you, whenever we're reading something, and I get to the point, like when I look at the article and some of the head, uh, subheadings in the article are zero false positive web application vulnerability testing and instant reliable virtual patching. Zero false positive, yeah. I kind of want to throw up in my mouth, like not even a little, (laughs) like a lot. (laughs) Yeah, this is bad. Does it actually say who wrote this? Can we call them out personally or are we just going to call out the vendor? It was probably someone in the marketing team for Imperva. uh, I believe it was Imperva, right? Yeah, Imperva that this announcement yeah. Ziv is the person that did it. Very, very marketing. Now, listeners have written in, which I encourage all of our listeners to do, uh, and either 
corroborate our story and say, yeah, that product doesn't work or say, well, no, like the product, this product or that product from this vendor is actually good. And I've seen it working in environments. We've certainly received email about Imperva. I want to thank the person for, for doing that. So we, when we talk about products, we're not saying that every product doesn't work, that we talk about badly because they had a press release that John and I called out their marketing speak. However, whenever you read something that blatantly says zero false positive, you, as a security professional or even a human being, you have to call that into question, right? When we speak yep. in absolutes about things like security products, uh, you, you have to you take that with a grain of salt and, and take a step back and, and look at what it does. Now, on the flip side, this could be a, a fantastic product. And I think as you already alluded to, John, it actually does make sense that mm-hmm. we see this automation happening between vulnerability identification and protection of the vulnerability. We've tried to do this since the beginning of time with IPS, right? It's hard, yep. but I, I think we've gotten better at it. And hopefully Imperva has too. I, I still question... First, zero uh, false positive. I also do not like the term virtual patch because it is not it is not a patch, right? A patch fixes <laughs> fixes the bug in the software. Okay, it, a virtual patch. It is not a, it is more like a firewall rule than a virtual patch. I've always hated that term, virtual patch. So, I think I think that we got to talk to Ziv directly because this is Ziv's first blog post for Imperva. Mm-hmm. Um, so he might be new, and that's. Fantastic. So we're going to talk to Ziv directly. Ziv, welcome to the security community. <laughs> I assume you haven't been around very much just by the article or the, the post that you just put in. So let's, like, exactly as Paul said, there's some things that we have that are trigger issues in computer security. Whenever they come up, we start rolling around on the floor, frothing at the mouth, and kicking at random children that walk by. So some of the ones that you hit, and you managed to hit a lot of them in mm-hmm. one article. So the plus side for this is you managed to get a lot of mistakes out early, so you won't repeat <laughs> those mistakes. Again, and that's good. That's good. These are all good things. Zero false positive, like Paul said, absolutes. Just don't do that. Instant and reliable virtual patching. You're not. <clears throat> you're not actually patching the vul- the vulnerability. You're correct. Putting in a, a compensating a temporary compensating control. Ah, I like that temporary <laughs> compensating control. Yes. And, and Paul and I can come up with this crap all day long. I mean, we we can come up with ways that you know. <laughs> To say things. All right. Now, I'm going to talk about, now that we've kind of started out with some crap, okay, um, let's talk about what you did right. Okay. The thing you did right in this that actually kept me interested in this article was you actually went through the step-by-step kind of how this particular tool works. You went through and you showed how you create a project, how you can basically do the configuration of that project. You went through step-by-step how this happens. And for that, sir, I applaud you. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's actually, you say that there's a problem, and it is a real problem, that there's vulnerabilities, and you need to update your web application firewall rules on the fly to address those vulnerabilities. That is a real problem. And you very quickly and succinctly went through step by step by step how we could mitigate temporarily that vulnerability in the uh, in the web interface that you guys showed. That is awesome. That is, that is cool. You need to keep doing keep stuff doing like that, that because yes. that die, that buys tremendous street cred, and it kept me interested and kept other people interested. And to anybody that's looking at this, I think that this is cool. From a technology perspective, this is awesome. Um, it's actually seeing that intersection between vulnerabilities and having your mitigating controls like your web application firewall work properly. That's awesome, and this is a very, very, very cool step. I think it's neat. I would like to see more of it. But, uh, but in the future, you should really try to keep your marketing properly propaganda speak. What do you say, Paul? First paragraph or first couple of sentences? 
Yeah. I Well, I think the first paragraph, a couple of sentences, should be the problem uh, statement and should be okay. maybe not have so much marketing uh, in yeah. it. Yeah. You know? Uh, I think the, true. the marketing speak, I, I don't know, it's a it's a blending of marketing speak and technical post, um, which is a hard thing. I mean, working at Tenable, dude, that, that's a hard thing to do. I get yep. it, right? Like, it's not yep. easy to do that. Um, but, yeah, dial back the marketing meter. And I, I think your message gets to your intended audience, uh, but in a much more positive light where John and I are like, yeah, like, that looks cool, dude, you know? Yeah, and overall, I had to get halfway through this piece of crap uh, to the point where I was like, oh, 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 that's you can, cool. You can actually Get show there. me how it works, which John and I complain about all the time that yes. vendors make claims and they don't actually show how it works. And, and that's important. Yep. So, and this is, this is beautiful. The second half, you can just lop off the first part of it, <laughs> put it right up. And this is a perfect article. I so. agree. Uh, F secure buys in verse path. Uh, is this glimmers of hope for IOT security? I've seen a couple of these uh, acquisitions and, and or mergers where essentially a security company or uh, an I well, it, it works a couple of different ways, right? There's uh, like a IOT company that buys an IOT security company, and there's a security company that buys uh, an, another IOT security company. It seems to be that there are mergers and acquisitions going on that to me are glimmers of hope for IoT security. Uh, and hopefully that starts to trickle back into the enterprise uh, or into products that we all use every day, like our cars, if you get in your car every day and drive to work. Um, that is a good thing. In this case, F-Secure acquired uh, Inverse Path, which provides hardware security technology to specialist sectors, including automotive, avionics, and industrial control, as well as traditional software applications. So, so Inverse Path is kind of an interesting company. I, I hadn't heard of them before today, but it looks like they do some pretty in-depth, um, very, very in-depth embedded security assessments. So it definitely looks like it's a really good acquisition for F-Secure. I'd have to know more about Inverse Path, but they kind of look like the same type of company as like Grimm, which mm-hmm. does a lot of embedded stuff. That's uh, uh, that's Atlas's company. Okay, and uh, they do some really really cool stuff too. So it, 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 I, sometimes we get hopeful, Paul, but I don't think that this IoT thing is going to be solved anytime soon because there's yeah, so much legacy crap out there. But I'd like to get your opinion on that because you know way more about it than I do. It'll all be in my talk at uh, which talk is that? Uh, be it, no, Source Source Boston. Thank you, Source yeah. Boston. All righty. Well, that concludes the news for this week. John, nice to have you back. Um, Awesome time on the show today. Thanks, everyone, for listening and watching. See everyone next time on Enterprise Security Weekly.